Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we have Ant-Man feedback, potentially the last one, depending on how fast we can read through it and not get distracted, but it's us, so who knows? All that and more of the set we have no control over! Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. And if you're following along on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast canon that we're building, uh, me and Jeff are both out of Adderall, and there's a shortage, <laughs> so we can't get it. Uh, but for this episode, we're recording two back-to-back, as we often do. And uh, for this episode, I've got myself a Monster Energy drink, so I'm self-medicating everyone, uh, and we're going to see how that goes. <laughs> Man, I'm already really bad about derailing conversations and uh-huh. taking us down rabbit holes. Yes, you are. <laughs> so, like, non-medicated us? No, we're not getting through this. <laughs> nah, we're going to do as many as we can. I don't know how many more. It it kind of depends. Like, if Marvel will freaking announce the next thing, we may be nearing the end of our... We normally do two or three weeks of feedback on the given movie. Um, sure. And and we I try to like throw in things where people are like responding to what we've been saying, so it's a conversation. Uh, but yep. this, I don't know. Uh, we'll see what people keep writing in. But we, it may be the last week where we're just reading Ant Man feedback, because or, or we might just start mixing it in and doing whatever else. Because I'm I'm excited to get to new content. We're actually uh, depending on how soon they announce something, we might start our rewatch of the MCU of the Infinity Saga, which we've been planning for a while. Well, we've got two months, like right at two months until Guardians Three comes out. Yeah, yeah. So I basically, I don't think we're gonna do Ant Man feedback for two months. So this may be our last Ant Man feedback. Who knows? Who knows? All right. So Super Kodu ninety three says hello, Pandaneers. I did not know that that was a title, but I like it. I like it. Uh, this is my first time emailing you guys. I've been listening to you guys since Loki season one, and I love you guys and your podcast so much. I've been a fan of the MCU ever since Iron Man two, and I'm glad that you guys are. And I'm glad to have you guys as an outlet for my love of the MCU. Thank you for your opinions, theories, questions, and for making me feel like there are people out there who genuinely are fans of the MCU. With that said, I wanted to throw my hat in the ring about what you guys were talking about for the ending of Ant-Man 3. I heard you guys talking about how the movie could have ended if the filmmakers decided to trap Scott and Hope in the quantum realm rather than having them be rescued automatically by Cassie. While I personally remain neutral on the ending we got, you guys gave me an incredible what-if scenario. What if Scott and Hope, after they defeat Kang, get trapped in the Quantum Realm, have the post credit scene showing Cassie actively looking for both of them, have her open a portal thinking she found her dad, but instead of her dad walking through the portal, have it be Iron Lad. I think mm. this would have worked be- even better, because in the comics, Iron Lad was a younger variant of Kang who was trying to actively get away from his evil counterpart. He shows up in the 21st century and forms the Young Avengers. I think this would have been a great way to introduce the idea of the Young Avengers into the MCU, considering that Cassie is also a part of it. And the fact that Iron Lad and she actually dated in the comics would be a great way to introduce that as well. Not sure if any of this makes sense, but this is my first email to you guys, so I'm sure you guys will give me grace for my ramblings. Anyways, <laughs> thank you guys again. Love to hear your thoughts on this. Love you, 3000. Laters, Gators. We are Groot. <laughs> yeah, I love that. We we talked last week. I think it was me and Ashley talking last week about uh there being so many cooler ways to have ended that portal scene. Like that portal reopens in the quantum realm and they just go home. Like what? Why? No, we were talking like 
Loki could have stepped through that portal. Kang, a different variant, could have stepped through that portal. Like, so many things could have happened there. And I don't know why they... It just seems like they changed it. It seems like they were supposed to get trapped. And instead, they just came home. Like, it just feel, feels way too easily fixed. So, we've had a lot of speculation around what that could have been. And I, I think this is a really fun one. <laughs> that could have been uh, That could have been fun. And now I feel like we were robbed. I didn't feel like I was robbed before. <laughs> There's a I few. Robbed. I like this movie. I really do. But there are a few things that, as, as the more we get into it, the more the more we talk about it over and over. I'm like, yeah. There's there's just these big holes, and uh, you can tell there's big holes because we're getting constant emails about those holes and why they feel. Like everyone's like, what if this had happened instead? What if this and like when you have a movie that's really sort of flawlessly put together, sure you're gonna have people what ifing it, but like not in the same way, and it's not always yeah. gonna be the same exact moment. You know what I mean? Like the portal thing is a big deal. Cassie's entire character feels like it's a little thin. Like um, she's not as fleshed out, and and I think we we talked about it a lot last night, last week. And I know you weren't here, uh, but. It was the idea that, like, I think they just changed Cassie's storyline a lot. Like, it yeah. seems like they were going to do something different, and then they just changed it, and it just doesn't feel, they didn't fill in the gaps. And now we all see these holes as to, like, what was changed. Something something different this way comes. I don't know. <laughs> it's like the, uh, the, the black cat going by twice. Like, wait a minute. Something's wrong here. Yeah, I don't know what they yeah. changed. There's a but glitch. Something has been changed. There's a glitch in the Marv Marvix. The Marvix, yeah. <laughs> the Martrix? No. Maybe? Maybe. Martrix? There's not hmm. a good one, so just leave it at Marvix. Come on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like one of the things that I uh have been saying, you know, to anybody who hasn't seen Ant-Man, uh, is that if you like hope. Uh, as like a strong character, strong lead character, you're not gonna like Quantumania. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> Cause like she just she was kind of relegated to just like complaining at her mom that her mom hasn't talked about the time in the quantum realm, and then like yeah. it's a it's a fight time with the old people, so Hope's gonna hold off everybody, literally everyone, right. while the old people figure out a way to leave, and well, then she'll catch up. It's also, it's annoying because she's relegated to that position of like, mom, why didn't you tell me more? Mom, why didn't you tell me about your booty call in the quantum yeah. booty call? Uh, why didn't you tell me about, da, 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 da. why didn't you tell me about Kang, this great threat? And it's like, that seems almost annoying to have a character that that's their main role, but it's also totally valid. Like, why didn't they, why did she not tell them stuff? Like that's other stuff that doesn't make any sense. Like she should have been more forthcoming or give her reason not to be. You know yeah. what I mean? Like <sighs> instead of just not answering, you know, because she just kind of stared at her when she asked questions. Here's my rewrite, and I think it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me give four it. seconds to come up with. What if she had said that the technology Kang has and the science that he knows? is so powerful, there's no way her husband wouldn't go after it. Ooh. And it sets up this tension between her and Hank that she, she loves Hank but doesn't trust him. Like, she can't trust him with this knowledge. So she kept it to herself because she knows that this wealth of 
sciences down in the quantum realm and she's seen she saw this flash of the conquered worlds and the damage it could do and she thinks hank could be just as dangerous with it yeah because he'll try he'll try to circumvent all of that but probably end up doing a tony stark armor around the world ultron here we go yeah kind of exactly or just become just as bad by trying like be be- become the same kind of villain that Kang is. He ascends to the level of everything looks like an ant to you. It's a different version of Ant-Man in this case. It's ev- everyone else is an Ant-Man, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, like she, like that sets up a like emotional payoff that like we all know from comics that Hank is supposed to be kind of an asshole. So like, what if his wife didn't really trust him? You know what I mean? Like she loves him. She cares about him. She trusts him for some things, but that technology down there, she cannot trust him to know that. And she held it back for that reason. And like, that's, that's a great reason right there. And it should be in the movie and it's, and it would create great drama. And, and like, say they have that tension between them that she like, didn't, uh, trust him, and then we meet this freedom fighter that she fought alongside and trusted all those years. And then there's a real problem. But then when that one turns on her too, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. Like he would ne- like Hank wouldn't do that kind of thing to her, but she can't trust him not to be a Tony Stark. You know what I mean? Like she, it's, yeah. It's, well, it's it's like the the trust version of a love triangle, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Can't trust Hank. With the the technology, can't really trust Hope to not tell Hank. Hank's like, Dad, what are you doing? And yeah, it's yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. It's good. It's good. All right, we'll call Marvel. Yeah, we'll let them know that they need to rewrite the movie. Real we'll quick. get Kang to take it back two years and drop it off on the writer's <laughs> desk. Hey, Kang, if you can just roll it back, that'd be great. It's just that kind of thing that bothers me in movies. And it's like, like I said, there's so many things I love about this movie. And I keep feeling like I have to keep couching, couching it in that because there's a lot of these little holes. I, the movie's like, I have holes. <laughs> you know what? Maybe it was all a meta hole joke. <laughs> Maybe there that's why is. the movie is yeah. holes. <laughs> well, no, like, it frustrates me so much when I see these huge holes in a movie that like everyone's going to see and be annoyed by like the fact that Janet did not tell them has no logic in the movie itself. None. Yeah. Well, it it has no reason that we see like she has no, she has no motivation to keep that knowledge to herself. Exactly. So, and, and it took me three seconds to come up with a good reason. And I just like see these writers getting paid millions of dollars to write this movie (laughs) and they didn't take that three seconds. You know, I'm not saying I came up with the best possible thing or that like, uh, but it's better than what was, it's better than what was in the movie because nothing was there. It's like, they just did not just decided to not address a plot hole in their movie. And that they're like, "Mm, nah, it annoys me to no end when that's like my least favorite thing about movies when there's a plot hole that just, you know, we'll just, we're getting paid all these millions to make this movie, but no one's going to put the care into it. You know what I mean? And yeah, I feel yeah. like Marvel doesn't normally do that. There's very few of those in the MCU. Um, and Ant-Man just feels like it has like three. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Man, I wish, uh, wish that we had been consulted because, you know, we would have been there for him to, to help fill those holes. 
That's right. <laughs> and we could have been paid dozens of dollars. We could have made yeah. so many dollars. Uh, so next up on our on our feedback, Braxton Hobbs says, Hello, Matt, Jeff, and Ashley, and anyone else that may be on today. I really enjoyed Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. You guys mentioned the Club of Kangs in the first cutscene, uh, and they are actually the Council of Kangs from the comics. I believe the main three that scene focused on from the left were Ramatut, a king who went back to rule ancient Egypt, Immortus, one of the eldest version of, versions of Kang, and on the right, a variant who was from present day and worked with Doctor Doom in the comics under the alias Scarlet Centurion. We heard them say the banished Kang is dead. I don't believe that's true. I think he was just sucked into his multiversal engine. This is where the theory gets crazy, and I didn't come up with it from here, but it makes sense. Trapped in a probability field similar to what we saw Scott trapped in, only he's Kang the Conqueror. Murderous, ruthless, prime Kang. Not Ant-Man. I think here, he will experience the same thing as Scott, seeing the probabilities of himself and all the different decisions he could or did make. But I believe Kang will be trapped in here for a long time. It will tear his mind apart, making him more crazy and power-hungry than before, as we heard Modok say, the more time you spend here, the more your mind splits. He will become more powerful, intelligent, more magical, and eventually evolve into something like the Beyonder. He'll find a way to escape his prison and come for revenge on the Council, and the timelines bringing everyone together to battle world. Love you all, love the content, keep it up, and have a great rest of your week. Braxton. Mm, I, I don't know as many of those comics references, um, but I appreciate it. No one had told us yet about the Scarlet Centurion. Uh, that's cool. People had asked, like, who was that guy? And I was like, I don't know. Like an older Iron Lad? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I like this a lot. And, and we've talked uh, about the idea that, like, the Council of Kangs you know, become a problem and they need a Kang to fight the Kangs. Like maybe Scott ends up going and getting this Kang again. And what if that that happens? I kind of like the idea of that happening. And then, you know, this Kang, the conqueror comes out of who is, you know, the Kang we think of from comics, Kang, the conqueror, you know? Um, Yeah. Like they go back in there, retrieve him and something about this time has made him extra powerful. They defeat the council of Kangs. They defeat, you know, the Kang dynasty, as he calls it. And then like that Kang remains an enemy going forward. You know what I mean? Like that Kang is still a problem. Like he, yeah. maybe they, maybe they get the universe under control. They get it all consolidated back into one loop or whatever, or, or, or separated into one loop, you know? Um, but that Kang is still like an ongoing threat in the universe. Mm. Mm, that's, that's rough. Cause like, you know, if if he's like beyonder level, like if he becomes God Emperor Kang, that sounds like either we could have Scott work with him, like Scott go and get him, and and the Avengers work with him to uh, to try to defeat the Council of Kangs. Like, oh, if we're gonna defeat the Council of Kangs, we gotta we gotta get a Kang. That's the best way. Yeah, yeah. He'll know their ins and outs. He'll know how they work. But the solution that he comes up with is to take a part, a piece of all of the worlds, all the, the incursion worlds and smash them all together into battle world. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, that, that stopped all the Kangs, 
from you know being the council of gangs or whatever like that it stopped them sure but now now it's way worse <laughs> like yeah. now he's this all-powerful deity guy yeah i like and, that i, I like, like that. that too uh and that could be where we get secret wars like like he said he becomes a godlike character like the beyonder and that's when so kang dynasty leads right into secret wars and so it's like not only are they having to combine the universes, face off in all these different battles, but also this Kang is deciding the fate of everyone. They have to somehow take him down and decide their own fate, you know? Oh, man. And then what if Secret Wars ends? Oh, the Citadel! Matt, the Citadel! Mm. The Citadel at the end of time is a fragment of Battleworld. It's, it's the shattered piece that's left that was his, like, capital his palace right mm. like that's where his throne was or whatever like that that little sliver of land that's what's left of battle world and it's all just cyclical and that's why he says i'll see you soon because like he knows that that like after so long that he's been doing this over and over again he's gonna just come right back they're gonna bring him back and he's gonna make battle world then things are gonna happen and he's gonna like die and then he becomes the the he who remains and he's all that's left from new universe coming up yeah. Well, and there's all that cool stuff in the episode. We talked about it in our commentary episode we did for the patrons a couple weeks ago, um, where there's the cracks all throughout it with that gold leafing of, of it coming back together. And there's also yep. like the fallen statue, the one fallen yep. statue of the four statues. And there's like a pathway that's been blocked off. Like, what if we get a battle in the end of Secret Wars that all those things happen? Yep, like Back to the Future Two style. We like revisit that like world that sort of sets up the things that need to happen. You know, I love yep. that. I love that kind of stuff, and like that kind of tight continuity from you know, oh, we had this discussion, or you know, we saw this on screen so long ago, and now it's just all coming together. That'd be mm-hmm. so cool, so freaking cool. Yep, yep, I like it. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Because if the exiled Kang is an enemy from the Kang Dynasty, that at some point. He may hook up with the Avengers because he has no other choice but to ask them for help because he can't defeat the dynasty himself. And then there's a chance that he will become the Iron Lad to become extra powerful in order to defeat the dynasty. So that's my theory. I just want to say that you guys are my favorite podcast and have saved me from many boring times. Love you all way more than 3,000, Levi. Mm. Thanks, Levi. I I like that. That ties in well with the the theory that we were just talking about. Yeah, it's a, it's a good theory that aligns with that. I don't know if it aligns well with the character of Iron Lad, just because Iron Lad in comics is such a different. Like the the age difference is the main thing. But I'm just like, oh ah, yeah, yeah, he's a younger version. Yeah, he's the younger version. It's the version like that we Kid it, Kang. Yeah, it's Kid Kang. It's the one we're supposed to like get to know him and not know he's Kang. Like that's part of the charm of that character. Um, yeah. I don't know if it works really well to have him be, uh, you know, be this actual exiled one that we got to know here, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, they kind of laid the groundwork for, like, it could be that with him saying Kang is who I need to be or need to become. Yeah, absolutely. But, like, we don't necessarily know that that version of him showed up at that time in the quantum realm after being exiled by the other Kangs. Mm. Like it could be, it could be that, that, that a younger version of this exact one was Iron Lad. 
And yeah, that's true. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like in like in comics, where he had just kind of resigned to like, yes, okay. So if I don't become Kang, the world like freaking explodes or whatever. So he and, still like, becomes Kang. I have to become Kang in order for Ooh. the timeline to be okay. Now that I like that I like because then it uh like so then you're saying this this version that we saw the exiled Kang the quantum realm Kang is the conqueror. He became the bad guy. Uh, and then, like, let's say Cassie and him fall in love or whatever, young love, la la la. He goes off to be the villain, and at the end, we see him come back as sort of the hero to stop the Kang Dynasty, and we sort of see like the damage that it did to him all that time. You know what I mean? Although I feel like if that was the case, we would have had some clue to it when he's threatening to kill Cassie. You know what I mean? Like where there, oh yeah, there, there'd be like some. Uh, like I knew you once, or like yeah, I remember. I remember the last time I killed you. It's always hard, or you know, so some line that would have been neat. Um, yeah, if that it never was gets the plan. easier to kill you, Cassie. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that could be fun. Some good lines, man. Some good lines. I like that a lot. <laughs> Maybe we should be writers for these things. I mean, yeah. No, I don't know. It, it, it's easy to say. It's easy to. Say that as a, you know, oh, yeah. armchair. We're armchair experts, like real hard. Yeah, we're armchair writers of this stuff, and like it's really easy to be like, with all the stuff already on the page, it's easy to like say like, oh, but what if you tweak this? Isn't that better? Isn't that better? But when you're writing it from scratch, I don't even know, man. It's a it's a hard job. Somebody's got to do it. Especially writing dialogue that um, doesn't suck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't even. <laughs> that's honestly that's the thing. Like. I've written in the past and I tend to be a guy who writes an outline that I love and it'll be like a really good, just really great outline. Like I like all the, the way the characters move and the, the stories are all resolved really beautifully. And then I never actually put pen to paper cause I don't know how to write like an actual scene. <laughs> it's like, but I have really intricate, like, you know, uh, yeah. That just makes you a story producer. <laughs> yeah. You're a story writer rather than like, a dialogue writer. Yes. I've joked many times, like, I think I'd be a good showrunner, but no one will give you a showrunner job unless you, like, have some sort of things. Like, you can't just jump to showrunner. You have to, like, pay your dues, you know? <laughs> you gotta do the work. Yeah. Although we have joked about making, like, a narrative podcast. Not joked. We've talked about making narrative podcasts at different points. Uh, with different people, like, oh, we could do a narrative podcast about this, or we could write it this, that. And I've even written part of a musical uh, podcast that still hopefully will happen one day. Um, but, like, it, it got me excited because I was thinking about doing that, and I was like, I could kind of be a showrunner of that. Like, I could like, be, like, working across the episodes, <laughs> helping sculpt it, but, like, not actually get my dirty mitts on the dialogue. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right, so next up, Wanji Khan says, Hey guys and gal, hope you're all doing well. I just watched Ant-Man, and I just had questions to ask you guys. After seeing close to a billion Kangs in the Council of Kangs, do you think that when the Council of Kangs attack Earth in the near future, they will attack with every single one of those Kangs, or like will only the main like three leaders attack Earth with their respective armies? I just, I just fail to see how the Avengers and co. could stop, like, 400 different Kangs when Ant-Man and company already had trouble getting rid of one. Thank you all for the amazing work you do, and I hope you all have great success in your careers, families, and this podcast. Kind regards, Wushy. 
Thanks, Waji. Appreciate you. I I think you're thinking about it wrong. I think it's just gonna be <laughs> I think it's just gonna be way more complicated than that. It's not like these yes, this Council of Kangs, if they wanted to, could storm into any one universe and destroy it. That's possible. And I assume that might be what they did to uh the the exiled ones universe, you know. It's very possible they did destroy one universe here or there for the good of the council or whatever. Um, but I think when it comes to what's coming, after the Loki discussion, there's like a multiversal war between Kangs. And I think it's going to be more like every Kang, every Kang has the desire to rule his particular universe and also has the desire to not let any other Kangs take over his universe or destroy it or whatever. So like, it's more like it's going to be this very complicated game of like different Kangs with different motivations fighting each other, fighting uh, against the Avengers in their own timeline. So it's more like we'll have to face off with a Kang from our timeline and deal with the repercussions of all these different wars, you know? Man, this is this is sounding very similar to the Kree-Skrull War, hmm. where, like, two alien races were having a war and their war came to Earth, and the Avengers were like, stop this! And, like, the Avengers got involved just to like put an end to the fighting because they were like there were bystanders on Earth that were getting hurt. So like if the Kangs are all at war, then the Avengers get in the way. Like, where does that leave everybody? You yeah. Know, what, what happens what happens to the little guy? <laughs> Indeed. What does happen to the little guy? I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh next up we got Nelson says, hey guys, wanted to pick your brains about a thought I had. Ultimately, I think Phase 6 is going to end up back at the Citadel at the end of time, because I think the quote-unquote good guys are going to realize, like Scott kind of did at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, that defeating Kang only leads to incursions and the destruction of many universes. It will take this realization to come to terms with the idea that he who remains, his singular timeline, is the lesser of two evils. So instead of killing all the Kangs, they will allow one to survive, thus he who remains, to manage the singular timeline. Then the final scene of Loki Season 1 will be replayed as the finale for the multiverse saga, except this time with Loki and Sylvie accepting the role as the head of the TVA because they've seen how the multiversal war plays out, and to keep the multiverse from continuing in a time loop for eternity. Your thoughts? Thanks, Nelson. Hmm. Well, Nelson, that sounds a whole lot like what I had said earlier. <laughs> I promise I didn't read what you said before I came up with it. That's funny. Yeah, no, it is. And that's been happening a lot. Like, uh, so many of these theories swirl around each other that, you know, we end up uh, bouncing back and forth. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I, as much as I think that's possible, that that will happen at the end of the multiverse saga. I don't think it's going to happen that like we replay the Loki scene just because I think Loki while foundational to this entire project, I don't think as many people have seen it as have seen the other things. You know what I mean? I think like, yeah, we're going to get a, it'll, it'll, it'd, it'd be like any other time where they take a TV property and they go, all right, well, this is incredibly important thing. You don't want to end a movie like end an Avengers movie on something that requires you to know what happened in Loki season one. It's just something that they try to avoid. So I, I think that's probable. They'll avoid that. Maybe. I mean, I don't, I don't think that they'll replay that scene, but like, I think that 
if you haven't watched Loki, you'll still understand it. Yeah. Like, if you've only watched the movies, you'll still get it. Right. Which is why I think, like, having a, like you were talking about there, having a fight there, or having some sort of, like, end of the battle that, like, resolves it into that building that we see, and then that's just, like, an Easter egg for us who know that scene. Like, oh, right. he, they knocked over the, they knocked over the thing. They, they covered up that entrance. Oh, the, the, it broke apart, and then uh, the, the entire building shattered apart, and then Doctor Strange used the time stone mixed with uh, I'm just throwing stuff out. Some 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 <laughs> multi with gold leaf mixed with like uh, mixed with Wanda Maximoff's power to like bring back the universe and like refused it together with some sort of like enchantment, you know, uh, and it created all that gold leaf stuff. Um, like you could totally see that scene happening. And then those of us who know that scene going like, Oh my gosh, they're showing us how it all started. You know, I'm just realizing like what you, what you just said about they they won't end an Avengers movie where, you know, you have to have watched something from the Disney plus series. Uh, they did that with Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness though. Cause like everything about Wanda with her kids and sure. you know, her saying that her kids were real and what happened in Westview and like her going dark, like all of that and her getting the dark hold, like all of that happened in the WandaVision Disney plus series and had yeah. no, any story about it in Dr. Strange mom. Yeah. And they didn't really flesh it out much in that movie either. So I agree. Uh, they're definitely getting more bold with that. I just, there's precedent. <laughs> there's, there's precedent. Absolutely. I just don't see them making it the end of the multiverse saga. Like something that's so specific. To oh yeah, episode. yeah, something so large uh, and so as... and then so specific to a series that at that time will have happened like eight years ago or whatever. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys watched Loki when it first came out when we were figuring out Disney Plus. Yeah, like I just don't, I don't see them doing that scene again. But I, I do think that you guys are all onto something that that something like that might happen. The real question is, do they want a multiverse? Because this will be a multiverse. I, I mean, I love the idea of a multiverse and I love what they're doing with it, but like it also makes storytelling hard. But then once you also yep. know that there's like Sylvie and Loki at the end of time controlling the timeline, it makes everything feel like in control. Like it all is going to hit. We know everything's going to make it to the 31st century because we know Kang is going to emerge. We know that like, I don't know, man. I think that I think this story has to end with freedom. Like right. freedom from the TVA. The timeline's okay. set free. But what does that mean for the multiverse? I don't know, man. Maybe they somehow figure out how to wipe Kang off the map. Like Kang never exists. And so they're able to uh, keep the multiversal war from ever happening. I don't know. Hmm. 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 Indeed, indeed, sir. No, I mean, like, I, I, I'm stuck. I'm stuck because, like, the idea of the multiverse is like it makes it really hard for continuity, right? Uh, I think it makes continuity forgiving. Um, but it does fair, make fair. it makes it hard to have stakes, right? It makes it hard to have stakes when you can go and pluck somebody out of another, right? You know multiversal part it's comics we already know that you can bring anyone back from the dead like that's a thing yeah everyone's always at risk of coming back from the dead at any time zombies zombies everywhere but like 
the multiverse is just too easy. It's like anyone that dies, you you can def like we've been saying it. We've been saying, like, oh yeah, we'll get a version of Wanda back. We'll get a version yep. of Daredevil back. We'll get a version of Karen Page back. We'll get a version like because because multiverse, everything is on the table, which makes nothing seem to matter, and that's tough. Yep, but then because of that, because of that freedom because nothing really matters, the storytellers, the writers and, and directors and whoever, they have a lot more leeway Absolutely. to make whatever it is that they are wanting, like to make the story they want to tell. And it can be like a what if type story, like yeah. a, a one-off, you know, werewolf by night type of thing where it's just like, it fits in there somewhere. You know, they've heard of the Avengers. Ideally, I think we end the story with a combination of science and magic that shuts the multiverse off from one another. Where maybe we still can get there, maybe there's like still a, a occasional multiversal travel, but some team like the Illuminati controls it and keeps it at bay. Sort of like they were trying to do in the, what was it, the 938 universe or whatever, um, but they, were, they failed because Wanda got there. Oh yeah, yeah, the eight three eight. Eight three eight. That's it. In uh, in Doctor Strange, mom. Ooh, what if? So complex problems require complex solutions, right? Right, right. So what if the TVA gets rebranded or or like has their mission adjusted? Yeah, and they're yeah, no yeah. longer going to prune timelines, but they're guiding timelines in a particular way to where they can exist, but they don't intersect with another timeline instead of like colliding and destroying each other they're kind of grooming them in gentle ways to go around each other so you then get this weaving tapestry of the multiverse yeah where none of them intersect you do the problem is in one version you have no stakes and in another version you have like too much control you know what i mean and so that's really the problem we're like bumping into. And honestly, I grew up uh, very religious, and there's the idea of uh, predestination versus uh, uh, free will, right? Like, because sure. if you're all, if everyone's predestined to do what they're going to do, then it like that 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 in lies the problem. If it's all free will, then like there's no. Uh, there's no boundaries to what you can do. There's no boundaries. There's no like. There's no one to give credit to when it all happens. You know what I mean? And that's sort of yeah. what we're talking about with this. And if it's all predestined, then like, you have no reason to do anything. It's all predestined. Like whatever you do is what you would have done. You know? Like there's just yeah, no. It's gonna happen anyway. All motivation disappears. So uh, so that's always been. It's so funny how like the things I used to think about as a religious person often intersect with the stuff that I think about with the sci-fi stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a real issue. Like, do we want a universe that's totally under control? No. Uh, because then every character's decision is mapped out for them. It's not them making the decisions. Do we want a universe where there's no stakes and there's multiple universes and any decision can just be overwritten by the, you know, actions in another universe? Like, no, we don't really want that either. So, so we're going to have to find some mushy middle ground to make the MCU have legs going forward, I feel like. So basically, this, 
this is I'm I'm relating this back to like restaurant menu, right? Mm-hmm. To like when you have a very rigorous like this is all you get, this is your your starter, your main and your and or your uh, your dessert or whatever. And these are the drinks we're serving. Like that's not a great restaurant. That's not a great experience. Might be expensive, but it's not like a great experience. But then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got like Cheesecake Factory where they make fucking everything. Exactly, exactly. We just we need to narrow this menu down and focus our brand. Yeah, but you can't narrow it too far. You have choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a but it's not probably, unlimited. I really love that I related it to my religion and philosophy that I encountered as a young man. And you related yep. it to the Cheesecake Factory. Well, I did the same thing. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Jeff. On that note, I think we're done. I think that that might be the last. <laughs> My religion is food. Until next time, true believers. <laughs> Credits. <laughs> Yeah, guys, uh, if you like what we do here, hit us up at, at patreon.com slash mcucast. It is where how we support the show. A bunch of you guys have already done it. We've been mentioning it every episode because we we've been trying to do that. We never have. Doing it at the end of every episode, just saying, got time. if you got a little few dollars to throw us every month, um, $5 really goes a long way. Um, and there's some cool rewards over there. So go to patreon.com slash mcucast and uh, join up. And uh, just remember, religion and food. Same, same. Same, same. Peace. <laughs> Until next time, true believer. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And a special thanks to all of our subscribers at patreon.com slash mcucast. You make this show possible. A big shout out to our brand new first ever Illuminati tier patron, Walter Kreisky III. Thank you, sir. If you want to find all of our fine Stranded Panda podcasts, go to strandedpanda.com. And for a video version, check out youtube.com slash strandedpanda. And if you want to take part in our live streams, go to twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv.